Yep. <laughs> That's right. We're back. Myself and David. No supervision. No girlfriends for the weekend. It's time to go spend some money that we don't have. It's a scene on screen podcast. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everyone? <laughs> Welcome back to the scene on screen podcast. You've got myself, Sean. You've got David. Um, he's still deciding whether he wants to be the people's choice or the people's champion. No, you always call me the people's champion, but I am the people's choice. I think you can be who you want to be. Don't let your dreams be dreams. The wrestling toys told me that this morning when we looked at them. Oh, yeah. They said, don't yeah. let your dreams be dreams, Sean. Be the people's choice champion. People's choice champion. People's champion, champion choice. choice. Yeah, yeah. that would make more sense. So, we've got an exciting episode for you guys today. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of what we've been watching or what we've watched together. Um, we're going to talk to you guys about uh, some of our adventures over the last few days, and we are going to talk about the news that just dropped about Animal Crossing. It should be a really good and exciting show. Yes, there was a, uh, a finally, a Nintendo Direct with all the answers for Animal Crossing New Horizon. Yeah. I thought you were going to say there was a, a Nintendo Direct that didn't have to do with Pokemon. Yeah, or Smash Bros. Yeah. I kind of waited for the very end to be like, Challenger appeared. Oh, and yeah. Just Isabel joins the fight. Yeah, no, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We got a, a, a beefy show today. Lots of... We've done a lot of things now that we uh, don't have the, the girlfriends around yeah. for the, the last few days. Yeah, David and I are, are allowed to have playdates every once in a while where yeah. we kind of just run free and yeah. do what we want. The only difference this year is that... Um, I have a credit card that is not under my name that I'm the secondary user on. And do you know what it bought us? Pepperoni sticks. <laughs> we bought pepperoni sticks and jelly beans. We went to a business Costco. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. If you ever get the opportunity to go to a business Costco and you just, if you ever feel like you need 18 liters of mayonnaise for a really good price, or if you're just like, hmm, I want to feel like I'm going to open up my own restaurant. Then go to business Costco. It is like the greatest thing ever. It wasn't busy. There was no. literally, like, you could walk through the freezer section and there was nobody around. Do you want to see, like, 19,000 wheels of cheese? Go to business Costco. You want to see more Red Bull than you could possibly consume in yeah. your entire life? Go to business Costco. It, the funny thing is when we were checking out, because we only had two small items, the cashier was so used to having, like, people come through with, like, carts full of stuff. She started scanning the cart for, of the person, but... That was, like, next in line. She looked at us funny, too. And we're like, no, no, not none of that. We're literally getting these two things. And she just laughed. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, making your job easier. The people in front of us bought almost, I think it was $1,200 worth yeah. of food. Yeah, and they paid in cash, too, which is... Uh, Baller. Yeah, crazy. Anyways, um, what are we going to be talking about today? We're going we're gonna to take you guys on a journey. First with a mythical quest, or a mythic quest. And then we're going to talk about a Nintendo quest, and then an animal quest. It's going to be a lot of questing. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just a... The ultimate scene-on-screen quest. quest. So, Mythic Quest stars um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's Rob McElhenney, um, Ashley Birch, Jesse Ennish, and, uh, Danny Pudi, and David Hornsby. It's available only on Apple TV Plus right now. It might expand to other markets, but it's already been renewed for a second season. Yeah, I doubt it's going to go on to uh, anything else. It's it might, available on the internet. It might go um, eventually to, like, blu-ray or dvd like if you can buy it you can see amazon well actually that would be probably that's probably the most logical thing because it is an apple tv um exclusive 
it is um it's quite the show we've only watched the first two episodes so uh my initial thoughts were if you're looking for a comedy about nerd culture and gaming but also kind of like the realisms of an office mm-hmm. it's definitely the show for you um it doesn't have that kind of it crowd vibe but it has that always sunny feeling to it yeah it's um you can tell that like the the producers or the writers um really put the effort into make the jokes and make the stories and stuff like that uh relatable to people who've played online games and it uh overall i think it's good like there's a few things that i'm i'm i not i wouldn't say disagree with but i think is not needed in the the series but uh especially in the pilot yeah um there's there's a few things that uh, go on, you know, like some interactions between characters that really bring the almost like the energy in the the episode down a level because it's completely unrelated to the overarching story in the episode. Yeah, like the, the second it's like a ep- subplot, yeah. right? The the second episode was like wildly chaotic, and there was a, a weird moment where it just slowed right down. Yeah. And we get it, you're trying to establish characters that people are going to fall in love with and believe in. And that's really important, especially when you're trying to build favorite characters for people. But, like, they spent an entire episode talking about a shovel. Well, that was the joke, though, right? Because, yeah. like, um, well, the first one was a shovel, and the second one was, no, this... Uh, microtransactions. Microtransactions. So, th- I, I, I have a feeling that the episodes are all going to be related over one stupid little issue, Right. That has affected the gaming community over the last right. few years. So um, I think that's the overarching thing, but then showing how each character interacts or like deals with the problem, um, which I think makes it funny. Um, I think it's hilarious that they... who What streamers do they make fun of? Uh, it's like a combination of PewDiePie and Ninja, yeah. I would assume, based off the mannerisms of the character. And the hilarious thing is that the... I'm not a big fan of... Like the over exaggerating uh, like streamers and stuff like that. Um, I don't subscribe to PewDiePie. I don't really, I never really got into that, right? Like, um, but I think it's hilarious how they kind of poke fun at these people by making it's like a 14 year old who's got like millions of subscribers and literally like their entire, the entire popularity of their game rides on this Just one kid's 14 year old yeah. 14 year old's uh, opinion of the game and like it's pretty on the nose his name is pewdie schnoo or shoe pewdie Sh- pewdie shoe yeah and they like they openly say like the kid's an asshole like why are we listening to them it's like it's because everyone else does right like he's got the he's got the subscribers and everything so um i think it's funny because like they make you like you hate the kid yeah right but then it's funny because they hate the kid too so you can relate to them I don't know. I think um, it was. It came out in the beginning of February. Um, it was. It's nine episodes, and Apple renewed its. Pretty renewed right. it for a second season, yeah. like right before it even launched. Like it was the end of January when when they renewed it for a second season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But the reception seems to be fairly good online within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that we really appreciated. It, sorry, appreciated about the show was the on-the-nose humor. Mm-hmm. Like, PewDiePie aside, which I think we could all agree was likely the the person, 
they, they make jokes about like a subplot for a character and like David and I are looking at each other like so that's Star Wars right and then they make the joke they're like yeah so just like Star yeah, Wars yeah this is totally Star Wars um, they're, they're advertising with all their own products and brands which is really nice too like I, I understand that all companies do that but to see Apple products I'm like they're it's an Apple show openly using Razor because like it's believable that's true um but the comedy is very like on point. Like there was one situation in the microtransaction episode where you like I just couldn't help but ask myself like, is this a conversation that happens at EA before nothing happens? Yeah, yeah. And then then you see these staff meetings where these things are going on. Like in this the, the conversation about the shovel, we learned a new acronym, the TTP. Oh yeah, time to penis. The time to penis. We actually ratio. thought that we we didn't know that this was a thing. Um, I guess everyone's done it, right? Like, in a game, you, you're going to... With bullet make, holes, yeah, yeah. bullet holes or something. You're going to make a, a penis. Um, apparently, TTP has been around for a long time, and it's pretty much the time that it takes the community or the gaming community to use an, a new item or something in the game to create a penis in the game. Uh, so the, the oldest description that we saw was from 2009. Which was from Spore, I believe. And it, yeah, it said that Spore, uh, the TTP in Spore was uh, ten, approximately 10 minutes, which is hilarious. So it's an it's a educational show as well. Yeah, and it was funny too because they took away the ability, like they leaked the shovel out to just Pootie Shoe. And then he couldn't make it. He was, he was all mad. He was like, you can't even make a penis with this thing. Yeah. And then um, Mac's character, Ian... Um, Mac from It's Always Sunny. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, no, I think you need to use the, the shovel for bludgeoning people. And you you can't help but think of Make Love Not Warcraft from South Park, like that very, very popular yeah. episode. And you see kind of all that, that build up. The other thing that's really cool is they're using in-game footage from lots of different stuff. <laughs> yeah, like literally every game that's come out in the last, like, 10 years. Yeah, like we saw Warcraft in there. We're pretty sure we saw Assassin's Creed, For Honor, Oblivion. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, but it's just funny because Final like Fantasy. they're using these, uh, they're using different scenes from these different games to kind of get, get give the sense that this is the game that they created. Um, but it's it's funny seeing like the graphical differences between like the like the battle scenes in For Honor, and then there was one. It was clearly from Assassin's Creed. Someone jumping off of a tower into a pile of like hay or something like that. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, like, the, the characters are uh, from World of Warcraft. So it's, like, just kind of funny seeing the graphics change for their own game that they've made. Um, but, you know, what? that also, you know what that is? That's, like, the, these game companies, like Ubisoft, uh, uh, Blizzard, uh, Bethesda, I guess, would have probably given money to have their games used as that. Because, like, think about it advertising we yeah we know that those are those games and i guarantee that someone's going to see the, those games maybe not have played for honor but think like oh that's really cool i'm going to find out what that game is and then end up buying it or or whatnot but i would say uh it was a pretty pretty, pretty solid start pre- yeah it's a different like it's a, a breath breath of fresh air in the in the tv series genres where like everything's either like superheroes or like medical dramas or kind of like 
obnoxious, like friend friend comedies, buddy comedies, you know, like yeah. buddy comedies or something like that. Um, so like, yeah, I I think this will be a uh, interesting oh, here's series your, to follow. Here's your answer. Um, Ubisoft created a fake game. For it's just Ubisoft. It's not uh, Bethesda. Really? Yeah. Um, the other cool thing about Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet is it was co-created by Rob McElhenney, Charlie Day, and Megan Gans, which you know as The Waitress, Charlie, and Mac um, from It's Always Sunny. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's it was something enjoyable. But yeah, uh, I'm just reading here now that Ubisoft's development team um, used a bunch of their old games and put together a fake game. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, they used scenes uh, scenes from Far Cry. Um, the fields were actually from Ghost Recon, like um, Wastelands huh. or Wildlands, sorry. And For Honor, Kingdom Come, okay. Assassin's Creed. So yeah. we had a lot of the games correct. Yeah, we we definitely thought there was some Oblivion in there, but and it's, World of what like the oh, World yeah, of Warcraft, Warcraft stuff. Yeah, but Blizzard, Blizzard ain't about doing that kind of stuff. No, guess not. So, on from one mystic quest, or mythical quest, to another. David and I had uh, done our annual, we're going to drive around to a bunch of places and look for video games trip. This year we, uh, we checked out three stores um, that are not your known EB Games, Microplay, Best Buy. I think that's fair to assume mm. that you're not going to find what you're looking for there. Last year we spent some time at Gamerama. And a few other stores outside of the GGA. And this one, we went to um, three different stores. And we're just going to tell you a little bit about, about our experiences and give you a, kind of a little a rating platter, if you will. Yeah, because I, I think uh, retro gaming and game collecting is something that's becoming maybe more popular. Especially with the resurgence of all these like mini docs and series on Amazon Prime. Yeah, and also you know like the mini consoles that have been coming out, right? Like, yeah. There's going to be people that... Yeah, Nintendo or Sega is going to, or Sony even, have released mini consoles. But then there's going to be people that have the consoles and have like their game collections. And it might have increased their desire to collect more. But um, game, what did, what game collections, or like, sorry, retro games and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he was saying that uh, one guy that we were talking to, he said that like it's people in there, like the millennials, like the people that grew up playing, you know, like the NES or the yeah. Super Nintendo that are coming in and starting buying these games because they want their childhood back and so like a little bit of their childhood back right so um yeah it's quite interesting um talking to some of these uh game owners or um sorry uh game store owners um but yeah so what's the uh what's the first store we went to three uh went to th three over the course of uh two days um video game related stores yeah um we went to we got games and ajax um we heard a lot about this store before we um arrived so we kind of had a good idea of what to look for mm -hmm. um both david and i are like constantly out looking for like small pieces to add to our collections or something that we maybe have wanted but we never wanted to spend the high amount for it um, we got games did not disappoint when it came to what you see on the internet is what you get in the store. Mm -hmm. You walk into an immaculate store. Um, it's very well presented. 
Um, it's very Nintendo heavy, which is really nice for nostalgia. Um, but you quickly grow to learn that it follows a grocery store model almost to a T. When you yeah. walk in and you walk the perimeter of a grocery store, you're always at produce, bakery, frozen foods, dairy, random stuff, cashier. And then in the middle, you have your meat and potatoes, all your processed foods like that. Or not your meat and potatoes, but like your craft dinners and stuff. Yeah. The your core. Com- the core. Your complimentary stuff. Grocery. I- well, yeah. Your pantry items. Yeah. That's a, that's a good word. So when we walked in, we immediately, we were kind of confused because like this place is heavily advertised only on Facebook. There's not a lot of marketing otherwise. Uh, but all the prices were like staggering. We're like, holy crap, $400 for a sealed 3DS. That's kind of weird. Like, I could buy a PlayStation for that. Then we started looking at what was sealed and what wasn't sealed. Mm-hmm. We also, like, took a good look at the middle of the store and saw kind of what was available. And we found a lot of that stuff was really reasonably priced. It was just not the collector's items. Um, which begged the question to us, what was considered to be collectible versus not considered to be collectible? Yeah. Um, that was... I, I don't really know how he determined whether or not something was collectible or not. Um, he had a lot of stuff in there that was... Not like new in box, but like complete in box. So there's a lot of stuff that had their um, either the original box and those things were usually behind some sort of glass or mm-hmm. a counter or whatnot. Um, but I noticed one thing I, I did notice that the, the prices there were um, kind of aimed towards the collector, not the person that is looking for that game that they want to just pick up to have a trip down memory lane when they were a kid playing their Super Nintendo at home in their their basement, right? Absolutely. Um, and that was like probably one thing that I I uh, I, I would say was a, a, a negative in my book for that store because like you could go in there and like there was like a ton of stuff like there was I, I if I had the money I could go in there and buy a ton of stuff um, and you know have my whole childhood back. Yeah. But I couldn't afford it, right? I would lose a lot of sleep if I spent what I want. Like, if I if I had the ability to drop, like, two grand on a 64 collection, I would have. Yeah, and, and I think, though, you could easily take that two grand and get an N64 collection plus other games at other, other stores. Uh, and I think that's where this store that we went to... Uh, is different than the other ones. Um, the guy we we had a good chat with with the owner, and he kind of gave us a little rundown on his backstory and like what or how he came to be and how he came to own the store and his reasoning behind it. Um, and uh, it was interesting to kind of talk to someone in that aspect because you know everyone goes to game stores or like you go to the big box stores that sell sell games and you just think of it as being a an industry where um you know the suppliers ship the games to the store and then they sell them right um this was someone who had to supply their own stuff so he kind of gave us a little info back uh some info on how he you know gets his stuff um so that was uh that was an interesting 
conversation to have with a guy. I wouldn't necessarily say that that would be my go-to place to buy, or like my first choice to buy something that I'm looking for, um, unless I'm looking for something like that's like really rare and obscure. The odds of them having it is probably a lot greater than other stores, just because it was like their store was from floor to ceiling of stuff. Now, granted, there's a lot of like game console boxes and stuff like that. We don't know if those are just empty boxes or if those actually yeah. have consoles in it, right? Which, which is something we're not going to be able to know because we didn't ask. But yeah. we were we were kind of fiddling through some video this morning and some of the display that was there was also there. And like, I mean, there was one item I had my eye on, which if I could afford it, I would have bought it. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's just an empty box. Yeah. So um, that was a... That was an interesting store. Like, like you, you had said, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a Zeller's of sorts. Stores. Yeah, so like, like you, you, you walk in, in you're... walking through the aisles, or it's like Walmart. You know, like as a kid when they had all the, the displays and stuff like that. And um, it's funny because I have a, uh, I have a, a page from a old Walmart flyer, like their in-store kind of magazine thing. And it was from 1999, so it was like it had a bunch of Star Wars Episode One stuff on it. But on the back page, is all N64 stuff. Yeah. So it's like you know, if I if I look at that, then like I have the memories of, you know, looking at this magazine and going to Walmart and looking at these games behind the glass and like wanting to get one, and then seeing the going to the store, seeing them behind the glass in the in the boxes and stuff like that. It was like almost like the same thing. But one thing I uh, I noticed that like we complain that the prices of games in Canada have gone up like so much. Like they're now eighty bucks Canadian, but in in nineteen ninety nine, N sixty four games were you know sixty nine ninety nine dollars. Like they were seventy bucks. So the price of new games have only gone up about ten dollars in the last uh, twenty years. Right? I thought I thought games were sixty nine. Even like with three sixty, they were at sixty nine. Or... Yeah. Right, but they were the same price back then. So games really have only gone up about ten dollars. But then these used games, you're looking at roughly the same price, if not slightly more. So it's like, depending on the game, right? Like, um, what, what the, the one that you're looking for? Um, Pokemon Stadium. Pokemon Stadium, right? Like, you know th- that it, game. It's available everywhere. You just yeah. like I'm trying to be selective on. My only criteria is I would like the cartridge to look good. Yeah. But like. If the sticker's ripped and half a Charizard's face missing, I don't want that either. Yeah. So, some of the stuff, though, you know, complete new in box, the prices were way, like, they were for the collector. Mm-hmm. But other stuff is like, uh, it depends on what, you, what, you're, what you're looking for. I, I like to call that model price to haggle. Yeah, So that's true. Like, if you buy an item for $20 and you're looking to sell it for $40, you price it at 50 And then you do the dance and you say well 40 is the lowest i can go yeah sometimes you're gonna win sometimes you're gonna lose profits profit yeah we understand that everybody's out here trying to make money and has a business and as people who like participate in the gaming industry quite a bit we understand sometimes you're gonna pay more than other times like hell you walked across like two copies of the uh the what is it the definitive edition of anthem yeah uh, not the definitive edition. It was like the Legion of Dawn edition. So it was like the uh, it's like the equivalent of a, a deluxe edition of a game. But we but you got that for twenty bucks cash for, for two for two yeah twenty bucks for two 
Um, and like that, that's sometimes what you're going to find. And these were both brand new games. Yeah. That's, that's just the way it went. There was like some games we even looked at where we're like, wow, that's a really reasonable price. And like we acknowledged that they were reasonable prices. Did they fit into our collections right now? No. Yeah. But um, going going from where we're gonna go here, the the one thing about we got games that we found really interesting was the the level of collector he gets. So he he's a pretty known store, mm-hmm. um, and he's even dealt with um, Nintendo Quest's Jay Bartlett, and we thought that was pretty cool that he'd been in the store. He signed like um, some movie posters for him, which was cool. Um, apparently there's parts of his collection in the store where we're not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, like, it was exciting nonetheless to know that, like, a collector like that from London had made it all the way down to Ajax yeah. just to buy and trade and sell games, which we thought was cool. Um, going forward, anytime we go to a new gaming store and we tell you guys about it, we're going to rank it on uh, a 20-point scale uh, based on presentation, product, prices, and atmosphere. Both David and I agreed wholeheartedly and very early on that the presentation of We Got Games was immaculate. We could have given it more points we would have, but we gave it a five. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, just walking in, it's like an eye-opening experience, right? Like, uh, I think anyone who goes in that store for the first time, you from the outside, you would have no idea how much stuff is in there. Um, and when you think about the size of the, the, the building or, like, the... Um, the store you wouldn't think that they could fit so much stuff in there but there's it's packed it you could literally spend hours in that store just looking at every single thing and like behind counters is just piles of stuff in a clean way yeah product i think we also agreed we would give them a five out of five solely because i'm pretty sure they have everything yeah um Uh, like aside from your super rare rare games like i don't know if they would carry a a little samson or a uh, stadium, uh, stadium games, stadium, no, stadium events. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, like, if you're looking for something, there's a good chance that you could probably find it there, unless, like, we, like Sean said, it's a super obscure, rare game. Um, but then that kind of leads us to price point. Yeah. And this is where I have to say, it's not, like, awful, but it's not great. Like, it could be better. There are stores out there with better prices for sure um but i think because other stores don't necessarily have the selection they can't really like they need to pay the bills right so i would say this is about a three or three point five um solely because um if you're going to this store for a specific game you'll probably be able to find it but depending on the game you could probably find it cheaper elsewhere so it depends on how much work and how much your time you value, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, the the way that it, the prices, it either goes from, okay, yeah, that's reasonable, to um, only an absolute diehard collector who needs this last thing for their collection and money is an option. Yeah. Uh, that's that's for them. Not only that, we, we figure just on a, a very basic evaluation – the guy has easily over a million dollars in in inventory. Oh yeah, just from looking at it, like there's no way that uh, like th- that place is probably insured for well over five. Yeah, it's right? stacks on stacks on stacks. Mm-hmm. Like the most obscure thing we saw in that store was 
either the Engage, the Nokia Engage phone. Yeah. Or out of the corner of my eye, um, uh, like in the corner under a bunch of stuff, I saw a Game Boy carrying case, which funnily enough, David and I saw on that Amazon Prime special NES Chasers or... Something like that, yeah. And it was actually like a case for the Game Boys. So we thought that was kind of cool. But he had like four Wavebirds brand new. And those things retail now at like 150 to $200 yeah. a pop. Yeah. So if you had four of those and he was making money off them, like we assume he would, yeah. that's eight to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand dollars he's making on just those. So yeah, he's got he's got the inventory. The final one is atmosphere, and that one we can't really rate because we were the only people in there for about an hour and a half. Yeah, and when we got there at open, it wasn't open. Yeah. So we had to come back later. We had to go buy breakfast. Yeah, we had to go eat some food. It cost us thirty dollars at breakfast. Yeah. That was the only thing we bought that day, when you think about it. Yeah. Food. Anyways, um, it would be interesting to see the store on a busy day. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how uh, the employees, because as far as I know, there's only two of them. There's only two. There's the well, you owner, had a full-timer and you had some and part-timers. Then, uh, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how they interact with customers that go in there. Um, but for how we... I would say how we were greeted and how uh, uh, the owner took time out of what he was doing. And he was very apologetic as well, right? He was like, don't mind me. Like, I'm not ignoring you. Like, uh, he was talking to us, but he's like, I'm going to, he was kind of like going yeah. back and forth. But then he eventually just stopped. I think he, he might not be able to multitask. Right? Yeah. Like, do his stuff and talk to, talk about how great his We love is. talking to him, though. Um, but yeah, I, I would say for my experience, I would say the atmosphere I would give that a four. Yeah, because we don't really know what it would be like with a bunch of people in the yeah. store. I personally love going into like little game shops like that, mm-hmm. getting to know them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we as gamers, we like we we also want to bring you guys solid content. And one thing we would like to bring on is like people who own these shops. Um, so we're interested in that aspect, but we didn't really get to see what the store would be like with a few people yeah. in it. Like if. We went in on a Saturday. Would it just be so crazy that it's like order taking? Like, hey, how can I help you? See you later. Bye. Yeah. So yeah, we'd give them a four there. So that's a seventeen and a half out of twenty. I think that's a really good score for that store. Um, we can't wait to go back. We, we know it'll be probably on our like next road trip. Mm-hmm. Especially if we have something in mind, knowing what they have. That's true. Yeah. Because now we can kind of, like, focus it up. The next one, we were actually referred to by... By this guy. We Got Games. Because he's like, if you guys are looking for something specific, go check out Big Time Games. And I wonder, though, if he... What his real reason for referring to to that store was. My guess it would be to show us that things aren't always better in a newer... Right. Because the, the... my immediate reaction when I walked in the store. So it's a it's a small gaming shop plus gaming lounge. Kind of like um, Gamerama, except it's not the basement. It's like a, a nice caged-in area where you can hook up mm-hmm. your keyboard and you can play PC games. There was PS4s and there was um, Xboxes on the wall that you could play with as well. Um, my immediate reaction when I walked in there was like, wow, this is a, a very linear, clean store. They had red cages, which kind of like 
sectioned off the the shelves and the, the areas they had demo systems for everything up but then your what you get in overwhelming presentation you lose quickly in price mm-hmm. um we were actually shocked to see the prices of some things this is where we saw the um the pokemon stadium for 40 dollars with the rip sticker like i mean the sticker's not for everybody but at least i would like the sticker on my game i think that's more than fair I don't, I don't want the box. I don't care about the book. I think there's three games maybe for 64 that I will want the box for. That's going to be Super Smash Brothers. That's going to be The Legend of Zelda. And that's going to be Goldeneye. And maybe if I can get a box for Glover because it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's it. But when I looked at that game, I was like, $40. And then I walked through the store. And David and I did opposite loops because we were the only people in the store. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't and, even know the employee worked there. And the funny thing is, like, we... The, I don't know if you noticed, like, when we walked in that store, it had, like, that new car smell, right? Like, it was, like, a new store smell. Like, so it's, like, they literally have just opened within the last little while. The chairs still smell like chairs, not butts. Yeah. Yeah, there's no fart gas residue. Yeah. (laughs) But um, the one thing that we both noticed when we got out of the car, literally seconds into David getting into the car, he's like, did you see the Game Boy games? I was like, Yes. Most of these Game Boy games did not come in plastic containers. Specifically Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Um, and Game Boy Advance. Well, they had also, like, uh, Nintendo DS games and even like, Which came 3, in plastic, 3DS yeah. games, but, yeah. So, all these games, no matter what, like Pokemon Blue, um, I think there was... Um... Now, they did have, like, all the Pokemon, Pokemon games. They had, like, Blue, Red, Red, Blue... Uh, there was a yellow, there was black, white, XY, ruby, sapphire, or mega ruby, like, you name it, they had them. But they were all in plastic. And and the ones that were in cases, like, they put them in cases, but they had, a, I noticed a lot of games had, um, they had the covers that were, like, reprinted. Like, so they were, this person probably, they probably bought, like, just the cartridge, right? Now they're selling it for 50 56 like 60 bucks right uh so they put in a case cool you have a case but they just printed off a low res cover on an inkjet printer and which was running out of ink it looks like trash and if anyone has done any like kind of game collecting where they've you know purchased um cartridges by themselves and you need to put them in case like there are resources where you can get official scans like high-res scans of games or like custom um game covers and print them out all it takes is you know uh you can do it with a color laser printer and it looks better um yeah i just it was uh quite interesting like they they put everything in boxes or cases but uh it looked like it was like very little effort was put into it. It's like almost as if they're they're trying to look to a certain level, but then keep their costs down. Yeah, like I'd rather just buy the blue cartridge. I don't need a plastic case with yeah. blue in it. Yeah. The one the one thing that was staggering in there though, when you talk about cost, was the the Nintendo Entertainment System had a game called Action Fifty Two. It was a transparent um, cartridge, mm-hmm. so you could see the cartridge. The 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 image on the cartridge was rubbed off fairly well. Like it was, you could barely see the word action and you could see half of 52. Yeah. Collectors know what it is. If you've seen it before, you know it's like a 
the cartridge itself is more rare than the game. It just feels that way. Mm-hmm. Canadian price point from everywhere, like we kind of like this was one game we started comparing throughout the day yesterday because we were a little, we were wondering why it was so high. But this this uh, store had it listed for three ninety nine. I'm yeah. not I'm not stuttering. That's yeah. four hundred dollars. Yeah. We went into a store this morning and it was a dollar uh, one seventy five. Yeah. And it. And I, you could read, the the cartridge. Yeah, and I, I think we kind of discussed this. I think a lot of those games price were priced to because it was a new store. I think we should a lot say of, newer. Newer store, yeah. I think a lot of those games were priced to uh, recuperate the cost of the newer store. Yeah. Right. Um, it did have a, a good selection of stuff, but the price didn't match the quality of the product that you were buying. Did you get the impression that the king sold to him? I have a feeling that like they're, they were like, why that store specifically, right? Because it was around the corner. Right, it was around the corner, but you know, why, why say that specific one? Because we found a few other ones within the vicinity, right? Yeah, like we were gonna go down A and C, but it was just too, it wasn't worth sitting in traffic to, mm. to possibly go buy a game. Mm. So let's rate it out. Presentation of big time gamers. Presentation five. You know why? Because it was like a brand new looking store. Everything was laid out nicely. You know, it, it was well lit. Um, there wasn't clutter anywhere. It was a nice looking store. Can I can I offer you a counter argument? Sure. When you walk into when you walked into We Got Games, what drew you in? Uh, the open sign. You did. You pushed me through the door. No. What like when you what did you first see when you walked in? Uh, like the wall-to-wall games and stuff like that. When I walked into Big Time Gamers, I saw a copy of DJ Hero and a bunch of, like, tattered stuff at the front of the store on the right side when we first walked oh, in. Oh, I didn't even look at that. But, like, then you see that open space. I would say it's a four and a half. Okay, I wouldn't you know, say it's a five. Sure. Like, I, I do believe, like, they have a lot of good things going for it. I but agree. You want to you want to pull somebody into your store. You don't, like... We barely got past the front door the first time. That's true. Before we were like stuttering over ourselves, being like, oh my god, this GameCube display is fucking awesome. Yeah. That's where I would say that. Product. Um, I'd say we didn't know what was real and what was um, not real. I can <laughs> say three. Three. Yeah. So while they did have a decent selection, I would say that they were trying to make everything look more valuable than what it was. Because really, like the Pokemon games, for example, Pokemon games retain their value, right? Like, but this guy is selling these games at a at a price point that is complete in box. Well, they weren't complete in box. Yeah. Right. Um, and a lot of like their other games along the wall, like. Uh, GameCube, PS2, Xbox, I noticed a lot of them had reprinted uh, covers. So it's like, sure, you you have the product there, but you're not selling it at the price point that it deserves. You're selling it higher than it should be. And really, like this, they had some like rare titles or some like highly desirable titles, but other than that, 
it was like the typical like run of the mill like they had the sports games they had you know the shooters they had you know like this like i didn't see a copy of uh, star wars rogue squadron there for example yeah. right like for n64 or gamecube so it's like th- things that you kind of would expect like and those aren't rare titles but they're probably priced in a way that he would be like that we don't know what this person is like because unfortunately he yeah. didn't speak with us he at didn't all. talk to us at all he said and hi and that was we it. we were the only people in the store yeah um Though the one thing that I found quite interesting was, what like we didn't know how he valued or evaluated games, but you could see some of the, like NHL. I want to say fourteen, the one with Martin Brodeur on the front. Yeah, he had a steel book, and he had it for twenty five dollars. And you can go buy that same steel book anywhere for like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. I I agree. It's probably one of the nicest cases ever for a, a hockey game. Yeah. But I'm not spending $25 on a game where the rosters are seven years old. Mm-hmm. And you can't update them either. No. Right? So. But yeah, I would give that one a three for the product. Just primarily because the selection was, it was small, but then it wasn't, it didn't represent the the actual quality of the product that they were selling. Yeah. And we also don't know when it comes to pricing, if... But he's overpaying for product and then has to sell for hire. Yeah. Or he thinks he can make up the margin. Um, like a, a good game for that would yeah. be like oh, Fallout seventy six. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're buying it for seven bucks, what are you selling? Uh, for? You know, I like you, you can't even buy that. Like you could buy that game for like two dollars. Thursdays at EB, they'll give you seven dollars. Yeah, for it. if you're lucky. No, that's the du- <laughs> that's the double with Onyx. Okay. Or uh, platinum. Yeah. All right. So I'd, then uh, I'd say prices was like a three. They have room to grow. They have room to shrink. Yeah, I'd say three. Um, atmosphere. That place was deader than a doornail. Yeah. Um, we went in at around one thirty. Which we understand people will be in school, but like you don't want to be at a video game shop when there's a bunch of kids there either. I would say the fact that we weren't even like really acknowledged. Like, yeah, we were greeted when we walked in there, but. After that, we could have not even been in the store and it wouldn't have been any difference to the... He had no idea. Right? I would say uh, that's a... I I would say that's like a 2.5 for me. I I could agree with that. Um, I don't even remember being asked if we needed help finding anything. But, uh, yeah. It... That you didn't need help with anything because everything was on display. There was nothing hidden. Yeah, that's true. Um... Yeah, I, I think that that store has potential to become a good one. Um, it has room to grow, but yeah, it was disappointing. But with we got games within five kilometers. Yeah, like you have to have something real special to get people through the door, That's and it's true. not Action Fifty Two. That's true. It's not the final one. Was a little shop in Toronto that we just found called Retro Quest uh, Toys and Games. I'm trying to think of the word that would best describe the feeling when we walked in there. It was no bigger than a small apartment. Yeah, it was It was tiny. You know, it was super tiny, but it was like... Home. Yeah, like ho- ho- wholesome. It was... Uh, yeah, it was... Felt like you... You know when you go to your friend's house? Like you would go to your friend's house and they had like all of their games in their basement? 
and then they had their toys in their basement as well, and you guys could just and do it was all Star want. Wars. Yeah, and you wrestlers? could do whatever you want. That's what it felt like. The owner was like very friendly. Like we were greeted when we went in. Um, he asked us if we needed any help with anything. We got the opportunity to see. So there was someone else that come had come in after us. They seemed like a regular. And buying Pokemon cards and buying some Switch stuff. Uh, no, uh, Wii, oh, Wii, 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 Wii stuff. Wii. Uh, but just seeing the interaction with this this other customer, it was like, okay, this person, it's a little kind of hole-in-the-wall place, right? Um, it's like down the street from you, but you didn't even know about it until today. It's because there's no sign indicating that right? it's there. So um, I think, like, yeah, it was, a, it was a welcoming atmosphere. And even though it was small, like, everything was filled with stuff. Like, there was pretty much... There was much, not a nook. There was pretty much enough space to walk in a figure eight, like, through the, the store. But, again, from floor... It's like ceiling to... Or from floor to ceiling, there was product. There was stuff. And, like, he was big into, the, like, the collectible toys. Like yeah. He had, he had a few Millennium Falcons. One still had its packaging. Um, like, some of the toys did look played with, which was also cool i know we don't do a lot we don't delve a lot into toys um there were scholastic rpgs for star wars that were there mm-hmm. had a bunch of old retro consoles somebody sold him a tamagotchi which he was which is so funny he was charging I, like 125 dollars for it yeah and Tam- tamagotchis are coming back um the 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 one thing that both david and i agreed on within 20 minutes of being in that store was that store was priced so incredibly fair. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there are items in there that he can make money on. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But when he is making that money, he's putting it back into the products he's buying. He had a fun, and like an entire back room that he hadn't even like processed that you could see like all the games that like people were selling him. So he like he's doing really well for himself. Um, we found the game price is really, really reasonable. Uh, I think some of the most expensive stuff were like collector's editions. and Yeah, and, and those collector's editions were uh, even not overly priced. I mean... Like, they were reasonable for what they were. And from what I could tell, they were all shrink-wrapped. Oh, in that glass case, yeah. Yeah. And, like, even the ones, like, up above, like, the big, like, with the statues and stuff like that, like, those were all shrink-wrapped with... I kind of regret walking away from the Batmobile, but I also don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... There was a lot of stuff in there, and, and actually, out of all the three stores that I went to, that we went to, um, I was probably the closest to purchasing something there. The only reason why I didn't is because I have a huge backlog of games that I need to get through right now, and... Yeah. The only reason I didn't is because I don't get paid till tomorrow. <laughs> um, this is also a very true statement. But at the same time, like I wasn't really looking for anything. Presentation-wise for that store, it suffers a little. Yeah. It's but... like a, a solid three and a half for me just because of like the type of store it is. But you do feel like that attic-y kind of feel, which is kind of cool too. Not consignment, but close. Um, yeah, it, it feels like a personal collection, though. Yeah, like somebody's like letting you into their home. Yeah, um, I would, I would give that. I would give it a four, just because it's not like it's not trying to be a 
um, like a go-to retailer of stuff. Like like I said, it feels like a personal collection of stuff. Um, everything was organized. When you think about it, everything was in its own little section, right? Like they had all like the the console games within their own section. They had toys within their own section. Now, like behind the counter, like yeah, there was some stuff kind of like all over the place, but it wasn't uh, like well, we I saw a, a Darth Maul head, and I was like, what the hell is that? And he, uh, the guy there, was like, oh, it's like a game, like it's like a role playing game or whatever for children and he didn't even hesitate to bring it out and let us look at it and he's like oh there's this other one as well like yeah uh so like anything that was behind there that even looked cluttered i'm sure like if you were to ask him to look at it like he would be like oh yeah no problem so yeah i'm gonna give i'd have to give that one four i'm gonna follow up your four with a four for product now the reason i'm saying four for product yeah he doesn't have everything no but he has a lot Mm -hmm. if if you need something super rare, it's probably not going to be your place. You know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to a 3.5. But, like, his collection was great. Well, like, I saw things that he had that even, like, the two other stores didn't have. Um, so, I think, and, like, even the interaction with that other customer, like, they, they were looking at stuff and you could hear, hear them, like, getting super excited for finding something. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily like super rare, but it was, and they had like a, like I'll use um, Rogue Squadron again. They had copies of Rogue Squadron for uh, N64. They had two copies of Rogue Squadron 2 for uh, GameCube, right? Like, so things that are rare, but not like super rare, they had. He didn't have a lot of boxed stuff, which some people would care about. Yeah. Um, For the size though, like, that was half the size of the uh, big big time games, but I feel like he had almost the same amount of product. So where are we landing? I'm gonna say a four for that one. Uh-huh. Prices, I think we both agree that like um, cartridge and disc price was more than fair. There was some stuff that was priced a little bit more because they are collector's items. Yeah. Um, consoles were a little high in my opinion. Yeah. On the evaluation. And like he even admitted it to the one customer, which I thought was really cool too. Who's like, "Well, the the NES Classic is a collector's item now. There's not a lot around. This one is still sealed in the box. That's why I'm selling it for 150." He didn't have to say that's why he's selling it for 150. Yeah, yeah. Um, for price point, like there was uh, there, I would say there's more stuff in that store that I looked at that I was like, you know what, like I actually considered picking up, and. You know it's reasonably priced if you go into a store without the intention to buy something and then you are like, you know what? This is not a bad price. I could probably pick it up. I would say uh, for price, I would have to give them a four. Um, primarily because what you said, like with the consoles, like they are um, priced a little high. Yeah. But um, you can go anywhere to get a used console pretty much, right? Yeah. Um, but he was honest about the the cost or, or the reasoning behind the cost of the console and it's probably because like for some of the other ones because he doesn't have the volume coming in or out yeah. of the consoles right people primarily want to buy the games right so that and he had a healthy stock of retro yeah so I would say a four for the uh, for, for price atmosphere I want to give this guy a five yeah I was like without a doubt 
I was blown away with his like ability to speak with customers. He multitasked ourselves and the other people that were in there. And like everything that he bought off somebody had a story, which yeah. was cool too. Like he was talking about Pokemon cards, how he acquired the Tamagotchi, how he acquired like different items that he had. And we were just like, wow, that's really cool. That's reasonable. Like Yeah, he had um He had this sense that he uh was like a friend you know like that's that guy that you know you go to his house and you know you go down into the basement and play those games he's got all the toys and like he was a welcoming person uh yeah um it i would yeah i I agree with the five on that one just because and i think it has part to do with the size of the store um and it like i said it It was very intimate it's like a personal collection right so so what does that uh, put him at overall? Uh, a 17. So, and like you and I, I think, agreed after everything. We had our best experience at that the smallest store. Yeah, and even though we didn't we didn't uh, purchase anything, that was like the one store that we're like, yeah. And like we were, totally we were dropping titles for 64. We're like, oh, I wonder if they have Clay Fighter. They do have Clay Fighter. Yeah. I wonder if they have this. They do they have, have this. Glover. They had Glover, right? Which was... It's kind of a... It's an oddity It was an find. obscure game, right? So... But yeah, so we had a pretty good adventure doing that. We did some uh, other shopping around. Would you say you did a good thing? I'm pretty sure I did a bad thing. Just did a bad thing. Guess what time it is? <laughs> David bought something and he's gonna get in trouble. Well, okay. Uh, granted, I was technically given permission that I could buy 58 board games with the credit card. Uh, there might have been a uh, like a rhetorical statement <laughs> in there somewhere. Yeah. So I only purchased a total of five board games this this time, uh, partially in due to the fact that my girlfriend was not here to stop me. But then, also, in my defense, I had pre-purchased two of them like three weeks ago, and I had left them for pickup, so I didn't have to pay for shipping. Uh, Yeah, so we went to some board game stores. um, or uh, I went to uh, 401 Games before I uh, dropped off my, like, well, stopped off at Sean's place. Uh, and then we went to Board Game Bliss, which was the first time that I had ever been there. Um, honestly, that place was weird. They had a huge selection of stuff, but nothing was priced. And the only way to get a price on anything was to uh, take the game up to the front and ask them, or to look on the website for a price. Which was super weird and frustrating. And it was really annoying because it's like, okay, I have this game. This looks interesting. Uh, now I'm going to have to look it up on their website. And then you're like, oh, yeah, no, way too expensive. Um, yeah, and it was super hot in there. Yeah, it was <laughs> gross. And like every single window or like room you walked into, you were just like so overwhelmed. But David bought two games. Well, yeah, I bought two games and some uh, organizers and stuff like that. But here's, yeah, I didn't spend that much money. 
Yesterday. Yesterday. Um, one thing, though, that was really frustrating with that, they they had a game, and it was uh, Star Wars Dark Forces Rising. It's a new board game, or I guess it, a new-ish board game, um, and it's just been imported into North America. And I looked up the price on their website, and it said $0. said it was out of stock, but we were looking at, what, like... 10 or 15 copies there so we bring it up to the front I'm like okay I would like to purchase this game and the guy's like oh um, I have to ask my manager what the price is and so then he messaged him he's like yeah he, we can't sell this to you I'm like why not he's like because my manager doesn't know the price I'm like well like, what do you mean you don't know the price and he just he's didn't like, know we have to see what we bought it at I'm like can you not look that up Like, so he wouldn't sell it to me and I haven't been able to find it on any other website, so I feel like it's fairly new. But yeah, I don't, normally when I leave Toronto, like I have some some stuff. But uh, maybe next time I'll have to bring the girlfriend just so I don't, <laughs> just so I don't <laughs> so buy you just spend more. Yeah, because actually the funny thing is, the last time we were here and we went to four hundred one games and legends and stuff like that, we'd walk around. And she would find something. She'd be like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm like, okay, we'll get it. <laughs> That's how we got, like, three of the games last time. But one of these episodes, we're not going to have the I did a bad thing segment because I won't have bought something. It'll be like I won't have bought something. <laughs> I'm a little bit more uh, reserved than you are. Yeah. I mean, the only game I bought recently is The Division and Anthem. Hmm. And that's a combined $15. Yeah. Well, the reason why... I bought the stuff is because I was here in the area and uh, I I didn't want to pay for the shipping and actually I told myself once one store if they had it in stock when I came here because it was a fairly popular game if they had it in stock still then that was a sign that I should buy it and it was turns out <laughs> turns out that Right before I got in the store, they got a restock of like 21 copies. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess it was bound to happen. It was fate. It was destiny, yeah. Well, I was going to buy a Sheriff of Nottingham yesterday, and they didn't have any copies. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that one. So, yeah. Moving on to uh, speaking of um, frugal deals. Yeah, buying things and uh, being in an ungodly amount of debt to a raccoon. To a single, single landlord, yeah. Nintendo had their uh, Animal Crossing Direct. Finally, the, the people's questions have been answered. They, uh, they have shown so much more for the game. And honestly, I can say that at this point now, I am less concerned about Animal Crossing New Horizon than I was yesterday, two days ago. Um, I'm pretty sure you were even a week ago still. You you bought the console. Yeah, so like without a doubt, I would be buying the game, right? Like I I have the money saved. I have like the eShop credit and gold coin, so I'm spending like pretty much zero of my own dollars for this. Um, so I am going to get the game, but this Animal Crossing Direct, um, the game comes out in approximately one month. So this Animal Crossing Direct kind of gave a little more details on the actual mechanics and new things that they've added to the game and we are going to go over uh, a few of those a few of those little things um first 
I would say everyone knows that it's on a deserted island or like I guess pseudo deserted island. Um, you start off with your your tent and you can build stuff and put things outside and kind of build a, an outside world or live living space. Um, kind of like in uh, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. That's the mobile one. Which will be used as a companion at a later date. Yeah. Um, so it starts off with that, but then uh, you you eventually build the island into your own like actual town. So one thing that they did announce was that as the game progresses, you'll be able to eventually change your tent into a house. And if anyone has, if for anyone who's played Animal Crossing, you you'll all know that you always start off with a house, and then as you pay off your loan for the house you can upgrade it i need to correct you it's crippling debt yeah if you pay off your crippling debt for your house uh you can upgrade it by either making it bigger or adding on uh different sections to it so So that was my biggest concern was like how are they going to um focus on on that core aspect of the game Um, i was worried that it was going to be um forever just like you have a tent and then everything is outside but no like you have the option to build a house and around your house and around your house yeah um there's uh what else the uh, oh one cool thing that i um that they mentioned is that now you get to pick where your villagers live so when you start um start your game you select the island layout because yep. before it used to be like a um, like randomly generated, and you kind of if you didn't like it, then um, you have to pretty much start over again. So now you can select the layout of the island, you can select where you want your house to be, and then you can also select where you want your villagers to be. So some people like to have their villagers nowhere near their house. Some people like it to be like a tight knit community. So I think that's an interesting thing that they've added yeah that that seemed really cool as well as the fact that there will be four full seasons again in in animal crossing and additionally you have the choice depending on where you live to be in the northern or the southern hemisphere so if you are traditionally in north america or well we'll say canada or the united states northern hemisphere yeah in the northern hemisphere i'm just talking about where we live it's currently winter right now so you're Animals will be in the winter, and then summer will come, or spring, summer, and fall will come, and you'll be able to follow along with your seasons that way. We also liked that um, <laughs> the word de- de- desert island package means nothing, because your no, island is desert, not... Deserted island. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> your, your island is not deserted. There is a resident service tent and an airport that you can always travel through. To other people's random islands, or you can travel to your friends. Yeah. And your friends have up to, or you could have up to eight people into your Switch game. Uh, the one thing we found really interesting about that, though, is there is no cloud saving for Animal Crossing. Yeah, and I think they did that to prevent uh, save hacking and stuff like that. Because uh, I know in like previous games, you could uh, you can do things where... It um, so like if you did something, say say you went and you uh, asked someone came in and wreaked havoc on your town, right? Cut down all the trees. Uh, you could then just instead of um, having that uh, 
living with the consequences, you could just download that cloud save and revert back to a later time. Mm -hmm. And I think they're preventing that because this is a living game, right? Um, everything kind of progresses as you play the game. It takes place in real time. Um, so, you know, if it's four o'clock where you live, it's four o'clock in the game, yeah. right? Um, which is understandable, but that also, um, you know, a lot of people's concerns were like, what if I lose my Switch? What if I have a problem with the game? So Nintendo announced that if there's an issue with that, then you can contact Nintendo and they can recover your save file through their servers. So that just goes to show that your save file is being uploaded to Nintendo servers, but not in an accessible way that you can uh, re-download it to your system. Now, we don't know how, um, how easy it's going to be for them to access or like recover a yeah. saved file or how that's going to work. Um, My guess is it's going to be fairly easy. Hopefully, right? Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was an interesting thing that they, they had said. Um, Here, here's a list of just kind of like some of the bullet points that we have down, and we'll, we'll discuss them as they come. The island is going to be fairly empty when you begin your game. So when you kind of arrive, your island is going to be very bare. You can, you can start collecting materials in order to craft benches, chairs, beds. You get your cot and your radio to start. Right, there wasn't a third item that uh, I'm forgetting. Um, uh, I don't remember. So you get those things in your tent, and you get to get going. The one thing that we found really cool was the now ability to learn how to craft and continue to craft, which is something that they got from New Leaf and um, Pocket Edition, which is really nice to continue on. There's also going to be backwards compatibility with Nook Link, which is an app you're going to get on your phone. That's right, Animal Crossing now has a phone like every other game. Nook Link is going to be backwards compatible with games such as New Leaf and Pocket... Um, what's it called? Pocket Plaza? Pocket Camp. Pocket Camp, sorry. Um, in regards to some of the materials that you create on your own. So if you do create an outfit that you really liked in New Leaf and you want to send it to your Switch, you can using the Pocket uh, or the companion app from the Nintendo Switch. You can actually... Take a picture of the QR code, send it to your game, and you will have the ability to oh, bring, yeah, yeah. So bring you, those things over. You can do like, um, did you uh, patterns? Yeah, patterns. Or like fabric and or clothing, anything. So that's cool. So for people who are playing New Leaf uh, on the on the 3DS still um, and Pocket Camp, both anything that you design in those games that um, have a QR code can be brought into um, uh, New Horizon. Yeah. Um, what 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 else did we uh, talk about? Oh yes, so just like any other uh, first party uh, Nintendo game, um, if you want to have voice chat with your friends that you're playing online with, you need to use the Nintendo Online mobile app. Yeah. Um, and uh, text chat is required to do that. So any text chat within the game, instead of a keypad showing up in the game and just typing out messages through there you have to use the mobile app which i think for that is kind of a stupid decision um most people aren't sending huge long messages right 
Um, so a lot of times when I would play like New Leaf online, um, and I was in someone else's town, it would we would literally be sending like sh- short messages like oh going fishing, come over here or whatever, right? Or a lot of times you can just not even mm-hmm. you don't even need to talk. So the fact that they are requiring for any like even text chat to be used or to go through the mobile app, it's severely limiting. And I get it. Nintendo's probably trying to protect the children, right? Because anyone can, you could go to a open, like if anyone shares their uh, town code, like you can go to them. But there's limitations already in the game. Like I can't go to your town unless you open it up to the internet and give me your town code. Or like we're on a friends list, yeah. right? And and you're open up and I can go there. So it's not like predators are going to be going into these games, checking out, like, putting in random friend codes or, like, town codes and entering them uh, and then harassing children. It, it, it's not like that. Yeah. Um, the, the other safeguards that they put in, too, is, like, you, your axe and your shovel is disabled. Yeah, and I, and I don't remember if that was a thing um, in New Leaf. I, I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, like I know that that had been uh, a problem for some people, where like people would open up their towns um, to people online, and they'd come in and just wreak havoc. They cut down all like say say you have um, a bunch of cherry trees, and that's not your starting fruit. So cherries would bring in more money. Um, people would go in and cut down all your cherry trees. And then now you have to go and find cherries somewhere. I hope you have some. Well, you can shake down the trees and you right. can take the cherries. But they would take the cherries, cut the trees down, and then you're out. Uh, they, or they dig like a ton of holes or they'd ruin, uh, you know, flower beds and stuff like that. So that's kind of nice that you can't do that. But then also it limits. Like, so if I'm playing, like if, say we're in the same game um, or like we're playing online, uh, I can't help you cut down trees and plant uh, apple orchard. See, we don't know fully though if it's going to be something that you can control. Oh, you know what? No, they said that if you were not, you have to be on the friends list. That's oh, yeah, what yeah. it was. Okay. No, so that makes sense. So you have to add someone to their to the your friends list for them to be able to uh, to use like the axe and and shovel, which I guess you know that. That is good. So then you can't you can open it up to people online. Like I know people on Reddit will say like, "Hey, my town's open," or like, "This is my town code. I'm playing from this time. Come join me," or whatever. And you can't go in and wreak havoc, um, which is kind of nice. Um, one thing that I really did like is that um, you can, can you can manipulate the environment. Yes, that was really cool. That was a cool thing because generally, if uh, in the Animal Crossing games, you're stuck with what you get. Um, but this one you can um, change the land. You can create ramps into mountains uh, or like the, um, the cliffs and stuff like that. You can change th- how a river flows through your town or your island. You can change, uh, you, can, you could get rid of all the rivers if you wanted, right? Um, I think that's a really cool mechanic and it will be completely, like a complete game changer for Animal Crossing because now you can really make the town that you want yeah it's true um and i know like in my copy of new leaf i just i don't really care where anything was like i just started and uh played along with it but 
it would be cool to like you know oh there's a river right through my house and the nearest bridge is like all the way at the top of the map now you could make a get rid of the river or make it go under your house right so yeah you, you have the opportunity that wasn't there previously yeah which is really nice um speaking of opportunity the multiplayer options for even your own console are exactly what we expected um give or take a few little minor details um the biggest concern a lot of multi-user households had was if i open the game under my profile will i have my own island versus if i open my game under my profile and then my girlfriend opens up her profile under the same game is it the same island or will she have a different island the answer is it's always going to be the same island yeah and that's how it's been like since the uh the gamecube right it was one town per system so everyone is kind of working together and living in the same town um what is interesting on this one though is you can have up to four people playing at one time on one console um but they can't like there's one person that's the leader and everyone else has to kind of stick around where that leader is yeah um and in order to for anyone else to do things like control menus and whatnot, blah, 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 sell stuff, they have to then switch and become the leader. So I guess it makes sense if you're, you know, playing with two people, but I couldn't imagine playing with four people, everyone like trying to collect stuff and like having to constantly switch back and forth to the leader. Um, it would be nice if they had a, well, well, I guess we'll find out when the game launches, but I hope that they have some sort of uh, split screen set up so that when everyone's close together it turns into one screen or two screens or whatever yeah. but then people could go off into their own little section and then we get that like four player split screen um i don't know how that would work for conversation stuff like that but hey if the n64 can pull off four player golden eye multiplayer slappers only with bots or nope actually bots was a uh, perfect dark but you know what i mean like if yeah. they can pull that off at like 10 frames per second, I'm pretty sure the Switch can pull off having four players for multiplayer in different areas on your island on the Nintendo Switch. So I know I'm pretty excited for it. I think uh, this answered most of my questions. Um, and this game is like a, such a big game. There's so much to do that it was a half hour, about a half hour of a Nintendo Direct. But they explained just enough of the basics that you have an idea on things that you can do, but there's so much more. Yeah. Right? Like, there's nothing... I didn't feel like anything was really spoiled because they answered, I think, the questions... They they addressed the concerns that I had, and I'm sure a lot of people had, uh, but they didn't say, like, okay, how do you get this house? Well, you have to do this. Like, they just said, this is an option. Eventually, you'll be able to upgrade to a house if you so choose and that was it and they're rewarding people who have the nintendo online subscription service versus people who are just using wi-fi to like update their games and using the eShop to buy games because there will be constant free updates for for the system or for the the game as long as you subscribe to the online services yeah like events and stuff like that which is really cool um they're giving you a free update on launch which I think is going to be available to everybody, not just. Yeah, so I'm not sure if the if you need the online you need the online subscription to um, 
chat and participate and visit to play online yeah. yeah but i don't think like the the content because as long as your switch is uploaded or sorry connected to the internet it will still download the updates but they are going to be releasing um content updates or events so the first one um that they said uh that would download at launch is for bunny day which takes place in april so this is really cool because they can create events or if there's a a special event that's happening say like um a, a blue moon right if there's going to be a blue moon which uh in 2020 happens i think twice this year they could release an update so that a blue moon in the game happens on that day and something could cool like something cool could happen right so like there's a lot of different things i i i think it would be amazing if you could put in your actual location or if it did based off of your, like your ip address and it got real-time weather. I would love to, like, if I if it's on a rainy day outside in the, in the spring and I'm playing Animal Crossing, like, I would love for it to be raining in Animal Crossing. I think that would be really cool. If it's snowing outside, then yeah, like, have it snowing outside or snowing in Animal Crossing. Instead of just having, like, the set, like, it's winter from November to, like, February or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think sorry just I thought about this at the wrong time but <laughs> the one thing about not having that cloud-based saving is if you're on a road trip and you don't have Wi-Fi you don't have to worry about the game not saving because it's going to save locally to you well so the, the way that the switch works is it always just like um, like on Xbox and PS4 right it saves it locally to your system but then when you're online it uploads it well your PlayStation and your Xbox are 900 like a thousand percent always connected to the internet yeah. unless you tell but, it otherwise but it always saves it locally and then it will upload it to the online server so. but this this isn't an issue right like you could be gone for a week camping have some way to charge your switch and your game never changes yeah and it I, knows what time it is it just doesn't know what the weather's like i think the biggest yeah i, I think the biggest concern for people th for not having cloud saves was people will put in hundreds and hundreds of hours into making their town. And I've had it where my Nintendo Switch, the SD card, became corrupt. And so I lost all of my saves. I lost everything that was on the SD card. Right? So just that would devastate me. If I, if I got this game and I spent, you know, 100 hours building the ultimate town to, only to have to start over again because of a system failure, then that's horrible. But... Apparently, Nintendo says that they have a way that they can recover those save files. So, yeah. if that ever happens, then hopefully it's not like a um, like a huge problem or like a not a problem, but a, a difficult process to get Nintendo to do it. But in my experience dealing with Nintendo support, they've been great. So, I think they I think that's the biggest concern is people's were concerned about losing their save file if something happened to their switch or whatnot yeah. and as long as the process like is hey nintendo i had a corrupt sd card i lost my save file or my switch was stolen like can you guys help me out and they're like yep we can just push it in an, an update specifically to your system or whatever and enter this specific code or like we'll send you a um an nfc card right like that you can scan with through the oh that's the other thing amiibo support ah yes they uh now all those people that bought the animal crossing amiibos that have otherwise been completely useless have a use for them aka my girlfriend 
<laughs> are those people who play Smash or Mario Party. Oh, and Isabel's returning. Oh, yeah. A fan favorite since New Leaf, Isabel is returning to the mix, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Amiibo support, Isabel's back, and she's still doing her, you know, town... Designing. Design stuff. You can. It looks like you can still um, go through her and build stuff and... So what are your final thoughts on the game? You know, I think that they've taken the best of what, or they've taken what makes Animal Crossing good and being made it such a popular game in, like, New Leaf came out, I don't know, years ago, and it's still a very popular game. Mega popular. Um, So they've taken what makes the Animal Crossing games popular and work well and added on it. I was concerned that they were going to add, have too many... Um, things taken from like the pocket camp and the mobile stuff. They're going to have it too like microtransaction-y kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They've added features that I think make the game more accessible, like crafting. Sure, like I can build an axe. If I break my axe, I don't have to go and buy another one. I can just use the resources that I have and build an axe. Um, the crafting stuff is cool. The mechanics for world building or changing the world around you is cool, but then they have all the, the classic things. Like they have, you can still have the house. You can still upgrade your house and go into crippling debt so every I, I think everything is there um, any of my concerns have thus far been answered or addressed and uh, yeah I, I'm actually more excited now for the game than I was before I watched the Nintendo Direct that's fair um, I think they listen to the community I think they are focused on kind of what's to come and with the online support being as heavy as it is I'm really excited to see what kind of content comes out mm. like are we going to see Luigi hats and Mario hats are we going to oh, see sure. are we going to see crossovers into this universe because they've crossed into um, the Mario event world so they've been in Smash Brothers and Mario Kart mm-hmm. is it time that they joined the mix they had actually one of the nicest levels in Mario Kart the animal yeah, it's one. actually one of my favorite ones. Yeah, so I think with it being in a persistently online um, console, generally, right, unless you're playing handheld in a way, but I would say most people play connected to a Wi-Fi connection at least, um, with the ability to push regular updates to the game, um, I think this is a game that could then be uh, a Nintendo Switch staple for you know, longer than how New Leaf has been. Yeah. Um, this is the new wave, and I think, I mean, Doom comes out on the 20th, and I think Animal Crossing is going to sell more copies. Yeah. You know, I like, it's, uh, and we had mentioned this in our, our previous episode, I believe it was, you know, Doom uh, appeals to a specific kind of uh, audience, whereas Animal Crossing appeals to, I would say a much broader audience. As much as I'd love to play Animal Crossing, I'm betting 75% of my island is dealt by my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, probably. Guaranteed. 100%. The Switch is on the big TV. Yeah, yeah. So, that's Animal Crossing. And uh, you will you guys will definitely hear our impressions uh, March after March 20th. Uh, that's a Friday, so it'll probably be like that after that weekend. I'm, I'm probably going to take that weekend off. <laughs> just Animal Crossing weekend. You know what? It's going to be 48 hours of straight Animal Crossing, no sleep. I got to pay off that crippling debt to Tom Nook. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And just remember, 
for those people who play Animal Crossing, if you forget at any point in time to not visit your city for a while, they will die. <laughs> uh, yeah, not quite, but uh, if one of your favorite villagers leaves, everyone else might as well be dead, too. That's what happened to me in New Leaf, so... And that's exactly why there's no more unicorns in the game. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the sound for us to, to move on with our day and go play some Animal Crossing New Leaf in Pocket Camp before we are totally prepared to move on to New Horizons. For Sean and David, this is the Seed On Screen Podcast. Take care, guys. See ya. That was Moonlit Memories. And the, uh... <laughs> I, I, the drill in the background was a nightmare.